and welcome to another episode of Talking Fußball, the Ausstieg Edition, your source for all things Zweite Bundesliga and lower league football in Germany. Well, the Zweite Bundesliga is crazy as always, and some Pauli are discovering new faces or new facets of their game, as Fabian Hürzler says. HSV are HSVing still, and there is some condom action in the lower leagues. Well, my name is Nick Wiltang and I'm glad to bring you all of these stories and awful lot more. And joining me, talking about St. Pauli and, you know, discovering new things all along the way. There's Mike Krickemeyer who discovered those things this weekend. Mike, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. And I'm really looking forward to the next couple of days because, uh, first of all, tomorrow we face Schalke in the Cup. And on Friday, I'm going to Elversburg. So... Good luck. Fantastic things to come. Is that another first for you as a groundhopper? Yeah. Oh. Wow. How are you getting there? I hear it's quite difficult. Well, first of all, you need to go underground to Myanmar. <laughs> then you fly to Australia. And then with a ship, you go to the US. And then at least it feels like that. So I'm going there by train, but you can't get by train to the final destination, Elvisburg. You need to stop at St. Ingbert and then there is a bus shuttle. And of course, as this is a Friday night game, I won't make it back home. I even won't make it back anywhere. So I will stay in St. Ingbert for another night and then I will probably pick up another game on Saturday on my way home. Great. I'm looking forward to a full report of that weekend, as it sounds magical, because who doesn't want to go to Zangbing? But actually, I know of one person who doesn't want to go there, and that's Jasmine Baba. How are you doing? I'm good. I broke a tooth, Ouch. so that's quite fun. That is as hurtful as, you know, watching Bremen defend from time to time. Oh, clean sheet on the weekend, so not that painful this True. weekend. <laughs> Wrong division anyways. Yeah, none of that. So my weekend should not be as fun. Actually, it might be. I should be... Well, I'm getting the tooth fixed on the Thursday and then I'm off to a Dresden match, but I've forgotten who they play on the weekend. It's, you know, one of those magical quests of life, going to Dresden, <laughs> not knowing who <laughs> they play against. Freiburg Spy. Freiburg Spy. I mean, it could have been a more attractive opponent, yeah. It should be at least played and unlike the game at the weekend, so... Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in part two. But, you know, let's just take a short break and we'll be back with part one with all of the latest from the Bundesliga 2. It's time to dive straight into the Bundesliga 2 and, well, Jasmine, we've got another coach sacked who was the victim of the boardroom meeting that cost him his job. Yes, Jens Hertel. I think we've been predicting this one for quite a while. We were surprised that he was hired, yes, in the first place. Yeah, I think we were all a bit confused on why they <laughs> sacked Michael Sheila after... He did what most of us thought was impossible and was keep Braunschweig up last season. The news of him being basically fired or contract not renewed, I can't remember which, and then bringing in Jens Hertel in was very confusing. So it's not that surprising that he's gone. Kind of surprised that he made it this far, to be honest. 
there's not been any update on who will be permanent manager just yet. Right now, Mark Fitzner, former player, former Werder Bremen's fine player, I think as well, has taken over. No rebound or new coach rebound just yet as they lost to Dusseldorf for one on the weekend, which put Dusseldorf temporarily at the top of the league. But yeah, Brown Trike looking like what they should have really been last season, pretty much down and out. And we have to see who they get for their new coach to really revive them and the, the fantastic work they did last season to stay up once again. So, yeah, eyes on that at the moment. Well, I mean, Kicker is actually focusing on Brown Strike on their homepage right about now. And there's actually an article with the headline, The End is Near which is about Braunschweig, and there's even a poll in that article asking Kicker's readers, can Braunschweig turn things around under a new coach? And right now, as of us recording this podcast, 70% say that, no, they cannot do it. <laughs> I hear Michael Schiele's still out of a job. Maybe they should just bring him back. Apologize, bring him back. Yes, sorry is the hardest word to say. But Mike, what does Braunschweig have to do in order to turn things around? They need to do some medicine magic on Anthony Uja. I think that's probably the most important thing. And have we discussed the fight that was going on between Braunschweig and the local newspaper? Didn't we discuss that in one of the last episodes? We did, yes. The press announcement that they posted. Yeah. And, and this was focusing on can Braunschweig do it? Yes or no, and a pro and a con article. And this was released right after the injury of Anthony Uja. And uh, therefore, well, they were just three or four weeks ahead of Kicker, obviously. Well, the con side, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> correct. Yeah, they, they now got back Ermin Bicacic. The older ones might, might remember him. He's been there and he now played some years in uh, Hoffenheim. Was he out of a contract, basically? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of contract since summer. And when he returned to Braunschweig, they announced it, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, like football clubs announce new signings at the moment with a huge ballyhoo on social media. And the Braunschweig fans really cheered up and said, oh, okay, Ermi Bicacic is coming back. And honestly, that won't help. So, he might be good in defense, but what they need is a good striker. They are really, really missing Anthony Uja, and, and I don't see how they can turn it around, at least until the winter break and when either Uja is coming back or when they can sign someone else. Well, isn't there something to say about Braunschweig needing a better defense as well? I mean, they are minus 15 goals, Jasmine, after 11 match days. This is a disastrous stat after so few match days, if you ask me. Yeah, funnily enough, I thought they had the worst defence. They don't have the worst defence in the league. Who knew? Osnabrück does. Yeah, the Ujar thing has kind of killed them off for goals. They lost Emmanuel Farai, who was a very good player for the second Bundesliga, for them especially. And some of their losses, they suffered, especially without Nikolaou as well, their captain, just kind of that steal. And some of those losses and draws where they could have won was mainly they looked a lot better with him than without him but now it's one too many losses and you can see how that's affected them and also the weird kind of coaching change yeah, all of these decisions build up and it's just been really weird from 
what we saw last season from them, which was some really good decision-making and their plan to not rush things, bring players that they really fit their system through. And it's all kind of been thrown away really quickly and easily. So yeah, we need to see that that kind of decision-making from before that gets them where they were again. If that happens, I don't know. But, you know, there's a few more teams that have started to drop further down and look really bad as well. Karlsruhe, Hansa Rostock, Magdeborg, funnily enough. So big hand get out of there. We know how any place in the second Bundesliga works. But yeah, right now they look pretty down and out. I mean, the fans tend to agree with you. I mean, there are Fulmon out shouts at the last match. And Fulmon, that is Peter Fulmon, who's the head of business. And what you're basically saying is that he cocked up. Would he have been the head of business? Geschäftsführer. Isn't that head of business? Yeah. Oh, God. I feel like it's like director of operations. The terms in German never really fit the kind of literal translation to English. So I always get them confused. So sporting director is normally fine. Geschäftsführer is normally the one above sporting director, which is normally like director of football. Oh, well, hang on. The Geschäftsführer, what you're basically saying is that the Geschäftsführer is the guy who basically is the sporting director in the Premier League? Oh, don't bring in Premier League terms because they do not match up as well. They, they don't even have sporting directors. <laughs> in, in other European countries. Uh, it's more literal t- translation of the words. It's more like direct... Mike, help us out here. It's, it's, it's basically the sporting director's boss, Geschäftsführer. Yeah, but but he's he's the sporting director. Oh, wait, it says Geschäftsführer in the kicker article that I... I just... Some clubs have different structures as well. Yeah, because you, you can put it this way or that way. So his original title or his, his title at the moment is sport director. And that for some clubs at least might also be Geschäftsführer Sport in the same moment. Yeah. I know it's a little bit confusing, but to put it in the easy way, he's the one who is responsible, full stop. Okay. Great. I'm I'm glad we cleared that up. So glad because, you know, I I struggle to remember a more anal conversation I've had about German terminology for some time. (laughs) Anyways, Mike, let's turn to your corner of the world. St. Pauli. Hooray. Top of the league. Yes. <laughs> Still unbeaten in 11. And, you know, it didn't look great. Yeah. It didn't look great for a long, long time against Karlsruhe. Yeah. It was the 25th game in a row unbeaten, at least if you also count in friendlies and the cup. So that's really a long streak. And I do not remember a streak as long like this in my St. Pauli fan career, at least. But you're right, on Saturday, it was Igor Matanovic who scored a goal for Karlsruhe, so our former striker, and he's on loan from Frankfurt at the moment to Karlsruhe, and he scored close to halftime. He apologized directly to the fans. Oh, I love that when they do that. I mean, like, I don't like that. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) You should cheer when you score a goal. And the only person I really think who was allowed to do that was Hendrik Larsson when he scored for Barcelona after being 150 years at Celtic. So uh, he's the one who was allowed to do it. But okay, well, nevertheless, Matanovic scored and we've been down 1-0 until the 18th minute. And then we came back. First of all, Johannes Eggestein scored a brilliant goal 
when he picked up the ball in the box. Yeah, he stopped the ball. He then did something in the middle of three Karlsruhe defenders. And in the end, the ball was in the net. So this was really, really huge. He scored his fifth goal in the last consecutive four matches. So this is really something I might have not thought of some weeks ago. So he's in really good form at the moment. And then it was the 92nd minute, I think, when there was another corner. And Philipp Troy, former Freiburg 2 player, scored a really, really brilliant goal from the, I would say, 16-yard line. And he just put it directly in the triangle. It was The, the, the military just exploded. It was really, really great. And of course, you only score these kind of goals when you are at the top of the league and it always gets easier. Well, I mean, um, if you had something like the Hertzler table, I mean, the guy has basically been charged for 29 matches now, competitive matches. That is one cup match, 28 league matches. Took over on match day 18 last season and started off with a 1-0 win over Nuremberg. Then they had that crazy run of, it was 10 matches undefeated before the first defeat against Braunschweig, another defeat against Hamburger SV in the Stadt Derby. It was 10 wins, I think. 10 wins in a row, yes. Yeah, and not, not only undefeated, so it was 10 wins. 10 wins and then two losses. And since then, since match day 29 of last season, St. Pauli is once again unbeaten. I mean, there have been a few draws along the way this time. I mean, there were a couple of draws last season, and so far this season, you guys have been drawing uh, for five times. Yeah, and four games in a row at the beginning, which was not that good. But even in those games, we were the better team, and we should have won each and every single one of them. So at the moment, it's really looking good. Unfortunately, in the last five or six years, we always had a very good year and a very bad year and well we would be the champion if we play in calendar years in one year and then we get relegated the next year so this is how it works and as we don't play in calendar year but in a normal football season from summer to summer we always end up somewhere in the middle because we don't manage to find a way to keep our performance over the whole season so this is the magic that Fabian Hötzler needs to bring into the squad to keep performing after the winter break. I mean, it does look, on paper at least, Jasmine, you've talked about this before, I do think that this squad looks unusually strong to be Bundesliga 2 side. Yeah, I wouldn't say unusually. <laughs> do you mean more individual quality? Players. Yeah, I mean, to be some Pauli side compared to the, you know, the last few seasons, I think uh, the individual quality that is there with uh, Saad, with Eggestein, with, you know, Jens Hertel. Marcel Hartl. Of- not, not Jens Hertel, Marcel Hartl. Jens Hertel's the coach. <laughs> Jens Hertel, well, right. I, just, I just look at the wrong place in the script, yes. It's a, it's uh, a common mistake. That um, was the former branch, right, coach? No, no, yeah. compared to other St. Pauli teams, yes. Although last year's, I think, was really... Oh, the year before was really strong too. I was just making sure you didn't mean individual quality compared to the rest of the league when you have like Schalke and Hertha with these completely insane squads doing fuck all, but insane quality squads. But yeah, it's definitely strong. I really like the the addition of Hartle. Sad is really, really good. And that team seems to have clicked. 
And I remember, Mike, you saying how you miss Timo Schultz and how do you feel now? I still do. He got sacked from uh From Basel, Basel yeah, but that, well. that's a, a, yeah. a story we could do a, a separate episode on because uh, this is this was really... Okay, I, I don't want to go that way. You know, we'll save it for a new podcast adventure called Talking Switzerdeutsch. Oh, Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, won't happen, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I, I talked to him uh, two weeks ago, uh, but okay, we, we don't go that way now because it would really take another hour <laughs> to discuss that. I, I still miss him. Of course, I can't say that we would be in the same position at the moment when he would be still there. And definitely Fabian Hützler is not the one to blame for that sack. I appreciate him a lot. He's doing so great and he really managed to bring up the defensive play at St. Pauli, which was not possible for the last couple of years. So, And when you look at the squad, I would agree with you, Jasmine. It's not the best individual quality from all the players. Of course, we do have some good players, but at the moment, it's obvious that we are just the best team. And we do have some, well, Fabian Hützler calls it principles that the team follows. And even if someone is injured, like Jackson Irvine some weeks ago, there's someone else coming in and as they all follow the same principles and the same playing style, yeah, they can just take over and fit in into the role that Fabian Hutzler gives them. And on the weekend, something really strange happened because in minute, I would say 50 or 60, there were some boos at the Milan Tour against the own team. Yes, I saw that. I, I saw that Hutzler yeah. actually commented on that. He did. And and he said there were only 5,000 of the 30,000 booing. And that's, of course, ridiculous because it was more like, I would say, 150 instead of 5,000. If 5,000 people boo at the Milan Tour, uh, well, I don't know what would happen, but it was just 100 or 150. But still, that should not happen when you are top of the league and when you're just one nil down. But they did that at the moment when Eric Smeet on Haukoval and Karl Metz were shifting the ball from one to the other at the middle line and taking some time and playing it back and so on. And it really, really took a long time, but they played it cool and it was the exact correct thing to do and they were just following the principles of the tactics that Fabian Hertzler gave them and yeah this is how St. Pauli plays for all the months since Fabian Hertzler took over and well you should just understand that I'm not a tactic expert but even I realized that and I was just wondering hey how could you do that how could you really boo the players at this moment and i really hope that when they all left the stadium in the end they were all ashamed of themselves i've actually noticed that um happen quite a lot with more professional based teams especially in germany and i completely agree with you that it's mad that people will boo if you're one nil down and you're taking more time to progress the ball in those coaches principles and i'm gonna put it down i'm this is only gut and not really research based, but I feel like it happens in every country, but I feel it's happening more in Germany recently. And I'm going to put it down to the Red Bull effect, the RB principles of 
you know, sitting back and then counterattacking and this entertaining, counterpressing, counterattacking football has made fans expect that. And it's not only RB, it's Klopp as well, Klopp football, this high intensity counterattacking football has made people want that more and aren't so used to possessional tactics. And even, I mean, the only ones that don't really boo their team is like Man City. Pep Guardiola's Man City and Hutzler's principles are pretty much based on that. So that is something interesting that I'm seeing. I knew, But I didn't know they booed at the Midland one. That's fucking crazy. I don't want to put it higher than it really was because it was really not the whole stadium booing. It, it was just a few people. But as Nick said, um, Hurzler picked it up in, in the press conference after the game. And yeah. What was his quote? Was said that I cannot send 5,000 people to coaching lessons at the DFB, something to that extent. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, it was such a nice. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a nice put down I mean it's sort of like you know what I hear you but I don't give a fuck which is great I, I love that in a coach because he's seemingly convinced about his principles and so far good on him it's, it's worked out things that have worked out as well is Schalke's coaching change sort of they won a game your next opponent in the cup Jasmine quickly what do we think of Schalke so far another new guy Carol Garretts I'll be honest, I don't even remember their game. They won it. They won. Yeah, oh no, oh yeah, it was Hanover. Sorry, sorry. It was down to Hanover, Stefan Lytle being Stefan Lytle again. They didn't have much possession. They were very quick and intensive. They actually didn't start with Oedrogo. They brought him on and it, it turned the game around, I would say, a little bit more in how they found solutions to actually finish and initiate dangerous attacks. You can see that he's going for the more intense in space. And he was saying before the match in the pre-match interview with Sky, how it's not all about not having the ball or being intensive. It's how they didn't have many pressures or challenges while up the pitch. And he wanted to change that in that terms of intensity so it gave an insight of what he wanted to do so he's basically working right now off counter-attack in his past players which included starting more which was from Heidenheim until Schalke bought him and then didn't really use him under Thomas Rice which I think is a very good left-sided wing back so for him to get him back in the team as well I'm quite excited to see this team and what they do I do think they will bring this confidence now They've got a good set of players, one of the best squads in the league, but I've been saying that about Schalke for a while. And yeah, so they look a little bit more, have a bit more oomph about them. Great. So this should be your pick for the cup match. You want to watch some Pauli against Schalke, Bundesliga 2, heaven. Anyways, talking about other things going on in the Bundesliga 2 right now, some Pauli at top of the table once again. Behind them, Fortuna Düsseldorf, who, as we mentioned, won against Braunschweig for one. And, you know, the reason for them jumping up into a direct promotion spot is that Hamburg, they played 3-3 in a thrilling encounter against Kaiserslautern at the Betzenberg. And, well, there was some, well, not controversy there, but there was some goalkeeping voodoo there. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. Yeah, Kaislautern turned the game around. They were up 3-1. Glatzel 
scored his second goal. It was 3-2 and maybe the game would have ended like that. But then minute 73 came up and Miro Muheim shot the ball from the middle line into the direction of the penalty area. And yeah, hmm, I don't know why, but Geislautern goalkeeper Julian Kral thought that it might be a good way to come out of this goal and just placed himself around the penalty spot and the ball just went over him and really, really slowly <sighs> crumbled into the net. So this was really <laughs> a goal that you might see in all the season reviews because it was just... Yeah, total, total crazy football in that moment. And this was the 3-3 equalizer. Uh, I think both of them had some chances afterwards. But this goal really will make it into season review. Goody, goody, goody. Anyways, uh, one last uh, point on my rundown here. And that's Alvesburg unbeaten in seven. From, you know, losing 5-0 to Fortuna Düsseldorf to suddenly just being three points behind HSV. Now, this side, they rose from the Regionalliga to the Dritte Liga, went directly up to the Bundesliga too. Question is, could they do a reverse Arminia Bielefeld? <laughs> they invested for it, so why not? The only thing I will say is that there's quite a few teams on three points behind third right now, and Holstein Kiel, which is two points behind third right now. We've got Hanover, Kaiserslautern, and Elversberg, and now Nuremberg who are, along with Elfersburg, one of the informed teams of the league right now, only losing one from their last five. So they've got a lot of competition. Nuremberg plays Schalke on the weekend, so that will be a really thrilling one, I think. And that is the friendly match of the Bundesliga 2. Can you explain that quickly, yeah, Mike? Yeah, well, in Germany, we do have these really, really strange friendships between football fan scenes. I don't like that. It always causes some issues. And yeah, I, I think Schalke and Nuremberg is, I'm not sure if it's the oldest one, but it's one of the most loyal one between all the clubs in Germany. And they really celebrate that. And yeah, I'm quite <laughs> curious how they will make it on the weekend because of course you can always visit each other and celebrate this friendship. But when you play against each other and both teams need three points, well, then it's challenging. Well, we'll see about that. Anyways, yes, and as you mentioned, Jasmine, there are quite a lot of teams that are just behind uh, HSV. I mean, there's Hanover 96, there's Holstein Kiel, Nuremberg, and Hertha Berlin are sort of slowly creeping up the table as well. <laughs> well what, what do you mean? They're, they're on ninth. They're on ninth. No. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're just going to end that now. No, no. They're, yeah, but then you could say, oh, anyone that's like 12 can also get into third, which technically, yes, it's six points, but let's just keep it from the three-point line. Otherwise, we're going to go down to Paderborn. Oh, well, okay, okay. And Wiesbaden and I mean, third. Maybe next time we'll have to talk about Hertha then. But uh, anyways, it doesn't, doesn't look good <laughs> for your pr prediction of them getting relegated and talking about your predictions. No, Magdeburg. Magdeburg getting promoted has gone down the shitter as yes, well. Yes, yes, I was going to say. Uh, how do you square that one? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go with 
less quality um basically with more possessional teams sometimes it is easier to get found out in the second league and if you don't mix it up so often you get stuck and i think that's what's gotten with teats's side this time they've had more of the possession and haven't seemed to convert them into good goal scoring chances which has led to magdeball dropping right through the ranks hopefully they can turn it around but yeah doesn't look good We'll see about that. Anyways, this is it for part one of the show. We'll be right back with all the latest from the lower divisions in the next part of the show. Right, here we go. And well, let's take a quick look at what's been going on in the Dresden Liga. It turns out we do have some new tabletops there. Yeah, on goal difference, Legensburg has taken the first spot after their 2 1 win against Preussen Münster. But Dynamo Dresden still in second, same amount of points. But their game on the weekend was cut short. It was 0 0 at halftime away to Saarbrücken when a lengthy halftime break. And a whole group of officials came round and called off the game due to a waterlogged pitch, which is quite disparaging for the Dresden fans that made their way, what, six hours ride from east to west on the day just to see 45 minutes of terrible football. I'm not quite sure how it made it to 45 minutes. It looked like a rugby pitch. There was patches of grass missing, just full of puddles. Really, really just... If the ball wasn't moving, you could see massive puddles whenever a player ran. And yeah, so that was probably the reason of it being nil-nil until halftime. Isn't there sort of a legendary video clip that gets posted by the Bundesliga's Instagram account from time to time with a like snow-filled pitch with like a guy rounding the keeper and just, you know, just tucking it away but you know there's so much snow on the pitch that the ball actually stops in front of the line yeah that one gets repashed every winter i think so we've got a month until it comes up <laughs> yes it does but i mean my point is that you may all remember this clip but this was worse right it was it was really really bad <laughs> just the ball wouldn't travel it's it's the things that you see from like proper lower down regional liga oberliga kind of divisions when you're probably not going to play or you're used to that kind of scenery and it's it's always a funny sight to see the groundsmen come on and try and prod it with a few of their like forks and trying to get the water down and you know it's just not going to work the rain would not it wasn't stopping it was almost biblical everyone was waiting until they finally cancelled it at half time Question is how they're going to do the second half. I thought it was going to be good to just be like, why don't they just play 45 minutes tomorrow? But little did I know that Dresden has their Landers Pokemon game tomorrow. So on Tuesday, they played on Sunday. So really quick, like, change over so they couldn't have done that. And uh, of course, Saarbrücken has... They are at home to only buy Munchen in the DFB Pokal. So there's no word on how it will be rescheduled or how they're going to do this, but... I mean, one of the two matches that were postponed because of 
people being on international duty during the international break, weren't they were scheduled for some date? Like the Freiburg 2 match and I think there was... Probably another Saarbrücken one as well because they're on 11 games while everyone else is on 13. Ah, right. Yeah, Saarbrücken actually... So now they've got yeah, two. Okay, so you cannot reschedule at that point because Saarbrücken already is playing on that point. Yeah, that's correct. I forgot that. So, well, good luck to the people doing the scheduling at the DFB <laughs> and congrats to Regensburg for leading the Dritte Liga. Long may it last. A team that was relegated from the Bundesliga 2 last season and isn't doing as well as Regensburg is Sandhausen. And, you know, they've decided to sack their coach, Danny Gaum, and to bring in the man who looks like somebody who's just been exposed to a massive fart in a tiny elevator. <laughs> Jens Keller. He looks like that on every picture. I mean, just go to Google Pictures, type in Jens Keller and see what sort of pictures come up. Now, having said that, you know, despite these, you know, obvious looks, <laughs> um, Jens Keller actually has quite an interesting coaching career, hasn't he, Jasmine? Yes. So he started out at Stuttgart. Also, he was assistant coach under Christian Gross, which I didn't know. Christian Gross, absolute legend, or myth of a man. But that is the Schalke one who didn't learn anyone's names, right? And then got fired. I think he... Uh, what did he say to Alessandra Schopf? Yeah, it is. He called him something ridiculous, like... He, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He didn't learn anyone's names. He got... Yeah, it was that Christian Gross. He hasn't got a job. Who knew? Yeah. Was that Stuttgart? Was that Schalke under Schalke Youth for a bit? And was promoted to Schalke's head coach in the 2012-2013 season. And... He was one of their better coaches in that season. Got them into the Champions League or Europa League at the time. I don't one European competition. He was very, very good. I think Nick, you were telling me that was one of the highest points per game managers. I think basically since Hoop Stevens, yeah. Yeah. I mean everybody who's followed him basically hasn't got as good an average as he has. And I mean the amount of people who uh, have followed Jens Keller, the amount of... It's starting to get rather massive, that, that amount. What, what about Tedesco when he came second with them? Ah, but he, you know, he fucked up the second year, you know. Oh, so did so, so did Jens Keller, which ended him getting sacked from Schalke. And then he appeared two years later at Union Berlin. And again, was very good. This was in the second Bundesliga. It was very good. And then in his second season, he came fourth in his first season. Second season, he was fourth, three points behind the relegation playoff. And when he was sacked during the winter break, I don't know if the reason why ever came out about that, but it was definitely a weird one. But since then, he's been at Ingolstadt and Nuremberg, and he's never seen the, quite the same results. So... He hasn't coached for three years either, so this is quite a strange move by quite a mysterious man in the world of coaching. And it's gotten off to a good start with a win, and it is quite peculiar to see what he does next. It is, it is. And, you know, I mean, uh, besides looking funny, it's actually a rather interesting signing. I mean, you're, you're mean to him. Did you see Danny Garth? Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, you know, they've not gone for Milan Fashion Week at Zantazen <laughs> this season. He, I'm not being mean to Danny Garth, man. Just 
thought it was a bit of a shock when I learned he was in the same decade, year age as me. True. He's 37. True. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's... um. Danny Gunn. Danny Gunn. Anyways, Steve Peepercarl is coming up this midweek. Uh, I mean, you might very well hear this on Tuesday or Wednesday. So when you hear this, some of the matches might have been played already. But yeah, let's go over the list of matches with the lower league participation. We've already mentioned some Pauli taking on uh, Schalke. Schalke is still looking for a coach who can top Jens Keller's 1.63 points per match average. What other exciting lower league pairings are there to talk about? I'm going to start with you, Mike. Well, maybe we first praise the DFB for having a sense for very, very nice orders in the way he scheduled the games. So there are two days when the 16 games are played and they made up uh, four different sessions, so with four games each. So that at least looks very nice if you take a look at the schedule. So four games to be played at 6 p.m. tomorrow, four at 8.45, and the same on Wednesday. My OCD is completely happy. Yeah, of course. And, and this Everything is, is in order. Yeah, everything is in order. So, yeah, and, and maybe we, we just mentioned the two games that are broadcasted on television for free. So this will be Kaislautern against Cologne on Tuesday. And, of course, if there is a game for free in the television, it needs to be Bayern Munich. No. They do play in Saarbrücken. But you just learned from Jasmine there was some rain yesterday when the Dresden game was called off. So there was a Bayern Munich Ultra page on Instagram and they called off the cup game already yesterday. And that, of course, caused some confusion with Bayern Munich fans. But uh, in the end, it was all rubbish. And of course, the game will probably take place on Wednesday. And yeah, I'm sure that Saarbrücken will manage to get the pitch in order until then. Great. Uh, Jasmine, any other pairings you would like to highlight? There's Arminio Bielefeld against Hartsfell. I don't know how that one's going to go, but it's being touted as quite a big one for a chance for Arminio Bielefeld to stage a coup, especially financially and just, I guess, form. Hartsfell is obviously third in the second Bundesliga and Bielefeld is... Nowhere near the top in the Dritte Liga, even though Bielefeld have turned around some of their games in the last couple of matches. Uh, I think they have won their last two, was it three? They've won their last three. They're on a winning roll now. So they're coming into this in good form. And if we know anything about Hamburg, if there is a team that can work the counter-attack and be the underdog, that's probably the biggest weakness to a Hamburg side. So that one should be quite fun and quite exciting. I like the look of Unterhaching Dusseldorf. Just Unterhaching's also taken the third league by storm after being promoted. Dusseldorf can be a bit weary at times. I never trust them. They were top of the league and I don't know how they did, like, for until St. Pauli play. And they're obviously second right now, but I don't know how. They always look like they're one thing away from completely collapsing and they're never consistent so um that one should be a good show of football 
And there's also Victoria Kuhn, Eintracht Frankfurt. Victoria Kuhn is not an easy side. They beat Werder Bremen in the first round, obviously. So it's eyes on them if they can have another cup set and dump Frankfurt out the cup as well. But who were last year's finalists? Frankfurt Leipzig? Does that was that correct, or am I getting confused? Or was it Freiburg Leipzig again last season? I mean, uh... it Leipzig won it, so no one cared. Let's be honest. It was Frankfurt, yeah. Oh, it was Frankfurt. There we go. Anyways, RB Leipzig have been in the final for like three years in a row, haven't they? Yeah. Dortmund Leipzig Leipzig. Those are your winners. Oh, well, there you go. Anyways, there's one last match, and this is you know it's Homburg against Kreuzerfurt, fourth tier against. Uh, Second Bundesliga. Now, Ham- uh, Homburg, not Hamburg, but Homburg, which is actually in the Saarland. You know, the same place as Elversburg and Saarbrücken. You know, they are doing a bit of a throwback in terms of the commercials they're featuring on their jerseys for this match. Uh, Mike, do you know what that is all about? Yeah, it's about London. It's about London calling, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, London. They once played in the first Bundesliga. Uh, it was in 1988. And they were searching for a shirt sponsor and they did not find anyone. And in the end, they came up with London, which is and which was and I think still is a condom company. And this back in the 80s was a huge scandal. The DFB find them with I, I think it was uh, I, uh, here are the numbers so they, they got 200,000 marks Deutschmarks at that time for that sponsorship and, and the that, DFB find at them at that point you have to say you could buy a pretty decent player for that sum of money <laughs> yeah at the moment you get probably just a left foot of a goalkeeper for that but <laughs> at that time it was really huge money and the DFB find them for 100,000 so for the half of it and they were even asked by the referees to not wear that shirts. Otherwise, he wouldn't be allowed to start the game. So what they did, they just censored their shirts and they made black stripes up on the London name. And of course, the company was really, really happy about that because it was the best advertisement they could ever get because everyone in Germany was talking about that. So this was really, really great. And probably it was the best deal of London in, in their whole company history. And yeah, come back to uh, the game tomorrow. So once again, they will wear London on their shirts as a reminiscence to that story and i think that's a really really good idea and probably also once again a very good uh, advertisement effect great indeed uh, by the way uh, i forgot his name he just, he just recently passed away actually but the the guy who was coaching pa- homburg at the time i mean the dfb president gerd meyer vorfelder he went berserk over this advertisement. He called it immoral and, you know, what about the children and all that? He was a Christian Democrat, as you could imagine. <laughs> I think it was he who threatened Homburg with, you know, a deduction of points. And at that point, Homburg hadn't really started all that well into the season. Their coach just said, which points? 
<laughs> you know, I mean, it was a great reply. And in the end, the points weren't deducted. Homburg were allowed to play with that, uh, you know, advertisement on their shirts. As, you know, they took it to court and the court found out that freedom of expression, even if it's for, you know, condom companies, is, you know, more important than what Gerd Meyer Vorfelder and some of the very, very old and very, very white men at the DFB were thinking at the time. Anyways, guys, if you had to pick one favorite of those matches, which one would you pick? Yeah, of course, I pick St. Pauli Schalke. I think it will not be as easy as you might think at the moment. So Schalke will do everything to keep their just freshly started run and take some more self-confidence out of that. I'm going to go be the other heart as well. All right, I'm going to go with the Kaiserslautern Köln game because I think there's actually room for an upset there. But this is it for another edition of Talking Foosball, the Arschtick edition. Hope you enjoyed it. It's been produced by our all-star producer, Aiden Rantoul. Guys, before I let you go, let's uh, hear you talk about all of your projects and where people can find you on social media. Mike, I'm going to start with you. Yep, social media is still run by the Milantone and you can find all our accounts on milantone.de. Great. Uh, Jasmine, what have you been up to lately on, in terms of uh, your media output and where can people find you on social media? Pretty much not that much. You can find me on bluesky underscore Jasmine Barber or Twitter, even though I'm not really using it. And I don't know if I will even accept you if you follow me <laughs> at the same name. I'm not really writing or any doing any projects right now because I work and it is taking up all of my time. So maybe I'll do something soon, but I have no idea right now. Right. Hopefully you will. Anyways, my name is Nick Miltong. You can find me uh, in my local <laughs> at a barstool until forish. That's where you can find me. 10 points to anyone who can guess which footballer I'm referencing here. No, actually, you can find me on X at Norm Musings. I'm not really using that either, as I'm rather busy with other stuff in my life. You can find German football quizzes on the FC Quiz app, which, you know, I'm designing those German football quizzes. I would be thrilled if you download that app. I will be back alongside Terry DeFallon and maybe even another guest one week from now talking about all things Bundesliga football. Until then, it is goodbye for now from all of us here at Aufstieg.